You're listening to the Metamore City Podcast. Metamore City, a podcast series created by Chris Lester. For more information, please visit www.metamorecity.com. Uh, Nora Reed, she's the one who uh, I came to visit while I was in Albuquerque on my trek out here. So you made a left turn at Albuquerque. I made actually I made a right turn at Albuquerque because mm. I was heading. See south. what happens when you don't heed Bugs Bunny's advice. Mm. Yeah, I end up in California doing crazy <laughs> feedback crazy. shows with references to <laughs> tentacle sex and God knows what else. <laughs> hey, folks, we're back um, against our better judgment. <laughs> And yours. <laughs> See, I saw osmosis um, to your doming thing. You are getting a video of this right. Tell me you are. Oh, I should have, but I didn't. No, just imagine it. Just imagine it. It's hotter than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> <coughs> just, just like Chris's forget-me-not blue gaze, like basking in tinsons. There is a quality to his fragile isolation that puts you in mind of Winona Ryder in court. You look nothing like Winona Ryder. <laughs> and boy, are we glad of it. Yes. Well, I don't know. You know, she grew her hair out and got a beard and mm. added about six or seven inches and, you know, several dozen kilos. Yeah. <laughs> grew mm. a beard. You know. No, she would still look nothing like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty she, much. She'd look very interesting starring opposite Johnny Depp then. Go ahead and read the next <laughs> feedback, okay, somebody. Please, anybody. <laughs> anybody. This one is from Trailsend. So, every time someone says they don't know how to explain how Jared, quote, changed Danny's soul, I think, quote, it's called falling in love, oh ye of higher brain function. <laughs> but, given that they're right, given that Jared is a, quote, soul shaper, in a way distinct from loving someone. Oh, snap. That dilemma is brilliant. The only thing that has me siding with Rebecca is, A, Jared could in theory manipulate Danny to want other less constructive things, and B, poor Daniel. Well, thank you very much, Trailsend. Um, yeah, uh, certainly falling in love changes you. That's uh, not denying that. But it generally changes you with a certain amount of free will involved in it, uh, which is somewhat lacking, unfortunately, in the interactions between Danny and Jared, which is, of course, the problem. If somebody really has the ability to change what you want to make it more like what they want, it really doesn't matter how nice they are, how good their intentions are. It's going to screw things up. You know, there, mm -hmm. you can't violate someone's free will even for the best of reasons without really, really doing some damage to their psyche. It is, it's the psychological equivalent of a rape. Right. And it doesn't, you know, he's, he's not trying to. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, he's got some emotional issues. But on the whole, he's a good guy. The problem is that this power of his really screws with people's heads. And so, you know, at that point... You know, this is one of the things that I'm exploring in making the cut is what is this thing called free will? And when, you know, what can you do about it if somebody's happy, but they're happy because somebody forced them to be? 
You know, there's uh, that's not true happiness, <clears throat> then, is it? No, they may feel perfectly happy, but you've taken away a piece of them in order to do so. You haven't and, given them the choice, right? And you'll see some interesting parallels between that and uh, some of the stuff going on in the vampire society as we get into chapter twenty-three and see what the loss of free will does to people and uh, the way that that affects them and, and alters them. You know, this is one of those things that's very important to me, probably because of my religious background and the constant battle that goes on in theological circles between the question of God's omnipotence versus free will and, you know, what would it really mean for somebody to be able to change what somebody else wanted, to, to make somebody into a better person forcibly? And uh, you know, what are the moral consequences of that having that sort of power and using it? And I don't think that there's any circumstance under which it would really be justified. It's one of those things that it can't help but go wrong because it is taking away a person's uh, will, a person's self-determination, which is a large part of what we are. Mm -hmm. Okay, that got deep. Um, <laughs> I don't actually have any more. Oh, here, I have some of this. I've, okay. got a, I've got a Feline. Oh, Feline is back. Yay. And since she, her name is kind of like Philippa, okay. I'm going to read it. <laughs> it's man love. That's the subject? The subject is man love. Oh, have you read boy. this one before? Or is this... I think so, yes. We're back We're to the man love. We're primed and loaded. Okay, that's so wrong. <laughs> Please, read <laughs> There's also some Twitter comments from Michael Spence and Tristan PJ on Twitter. Okay, let's go with the stuff from Feline first. Okay. <clears throat> Hello again, Chris. I hope you enjoy the holidays with your family and wish you a happy new year. Thank you. First off, I wanted to say, yay, you read my email. Secondly, if I ever make it to California, I'll be sure to give you a call. Sorry, I just... I, I looked into his eyes, Feline, and it's well worth making the visit. Um, you may, of course, do the same if you ever come to Vienna. And last but not least, man love. What an idea. I want to hear that Daniel Bryan scene too badly. Give us some girls, something to drool about. I have to agree that your story lacks gay men in action, and believe it or not, lesbians, not as fascinating to women as they are to men. Aww. Well, at least not to straight women. Yeah, those are yeah. straight women. I hadn't really noticed the lack of man love in Metamore City until now. But after listening to that feedback episode just now, I want some. <laughs> we have created the Who demand, Chris. Still loving <laughs> the story to We've got to get you and Brian into a sound booth and get, get you guys to get saucy together. It's not going to happen. We discussed Brian issued many death threats at me over the course of my time in, in Michigan. Did they involve flaming armadillos? No, no. They were not quite that creative. Oh, uh, well, he's an amateur then. Sorry. You Where were you? Him. What were you saying? I was just... <laughs> right. Coming back. Um, <laughs> I sincerely hope you and yours are well and that 2009 may come to be a great year for you. Have a great time, Feline. Thank you, Feline. And uh, I am working on ways to get around the man-love deficit in Metamore City. Um, it won't involve Danny and Bri or Daniel and Brian, so you can just put that one right out. <laughs> that's, for the, that's for the fanfic. That's for the fanfic, yes. If anyone wants to write Daniel Brian Slash... Um, for the story contest. For the story contest. And then uh, that'll just be a straight read, so you don't have to get your buddy to perform it with you. Well, no, it'll probably be a gay read. Oh, but... <laughs> hard, hard, hard. <laughs> funny, funny. Sorry, man. it was a hanging curveball. I just had to go for it. There's been a, a lot, lot of, of hanging. 
<laughs> a lot Candles. of hanging everythings tonight. <laughs> Dangling, Dangling participles. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to try writing. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that would rock. You should totally do that. <laughs> Just wait until the, the making the cut is finished. Um, but, yeah, there will be more gay characters in Metamore City. Um, I'm working on... Ways to work that into season two. So just be patient, please. But thank you for writing in, Feline. Always good to hear from you. All right. Who's next? Okay. Kitty. I've got a bunch of short ones. Okay. Uh, from Hef Girl. Chris Lester has created an engaging world filled with creative magic. The full cast and music is put together seamlessly. It totally pulls you in and keeps you wanting more. Keep it coming, Chris. Oh, thank you. That's an iTunes review? I believe yes. so. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Another iTunes review. The Story of the Big City with a Reality Twist. Five stars. Mm. By Alt S. Well written, excellently acted, plot twists, and much more. Fantasy, sci-fi, magic, politics, religion, loyalty, sex, greed, and people that can change their gender or morph into animals. Short stories, at least for the first several podcasts, with an ongoing story later on. Well worth a listen. No. Thank you. Uh, I've got Dawn Ashima on Facebook. Okay. She says, Hi, glad to see you on Facebook. Listening to Metamorphosity and enjoying it immensely. And enjoying your tweets. Vicariously experiencing travel through your eyes. Yes. Well, if, if you're on Twitter right now, you're experiencing more than Christmas <laughs> travel experiences. Yes, yeah. yes. Especially since I won't be going anywhere for a while now. Not much in the way of money left. That's right. We'll just keep coming to you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do that another? That was not intended. <laughs> All right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Should I read these couple of twitters while oh, I? Oh sure, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, Michael Spence on Twitter. Uh, read chapter twenty-two. Outrage? No way. In fact, I'm waiting for Miriam and Morgan to team up and go all Cagney and Lacey on the syndicate. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? TD zero zero one three continues to astonish me. I knew he was good, but whoa. Malcolm is smooth, cultured, and everything we figure the Sand Trooper isn't. <laughs> and uh, Tristan PEJ, also from Twitter, says, read the feedback show. Thanks for your feedback, as sexually charged as it may be. <laughs> <laughs> if you thought last time was sexually oh charged. <laughs> when you add Kiwi to anything. Oh, boy. Kiwi makes everything better. <laughs> now I want a fruit salad. Uh. <laughs> Tasty. Okay, and here's another iTunes review. Um, I received my iPod last Christmas, and the very first podcast I came across was Metamore City. Mm, lucky. Being a fan of the cyberpunk of the cyberpunk genre, I was immediately drawn into Metamore. The quality of the pad of the podcast is amazing from the music, sound effects, and the many voices bring together what I find to be an amazing story. Having been caught up for some time, I have found. I anxiously await while jonesing for more until the next episode is dropped. I thank you, Chris Lester, for creating a beautiful world that brings forth amazing characters in this wondrous story. I, for one, hope it never ends. A side note, I would like to thank you and T. Morris for helping me get my creative juices flowing to put my own little stories down on paper. I may never reach the level you have both attained, but you both have allowed me to bring forth my imaginative side. Oh, thank you. Who is that from? Rain Prana. That's very cool. Thank you, Rain. 
I'm always glad to hear that I helped to inspire somebody else. And since you know, T helped to inspire me in getting started on this. Mm, this is well. this is the continuation of the great circle of podcasting life. Come on, he called the circle jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you went there. <laughs> Where does she not go? I don't know, but I'm waiting to find inside, out. Inside a very large hutch. <laughs> so far. <laughs> that comes from a Twitter conversation we were having during the break, which was the question of how to trap a small kiwi. And she said that you have to stuff them inside of a, a hutch. And At which point I said, paging J.C. Hutchins. Paging J.C. Hutchins. Welcome to the city. Five-star review by K. Chris. If ever there was a more fertile ground in which to present high-caliber sci-fi stories, I've yet to see it. Chris has created the perfect balance of technical and the mystical, and within it has written some of the most brilliantly unique works my ears have ever had the pleasure of hearing. Oh, wow. Dude. That's high praise. Where can I get some of your fans, man? Yeah. That's great. Um, I mean, my fans are great, but there are so few of them so far. Everybody, please go listen to Antithesis. That's jdsawyer.net. Leave feedback for him on iTunes. Is what you're doing... He deserves here. a damn it. This is awesome. Thank you very much. That, that's really cool. You have cool. amazing fans, Chris. This is great. I do. They, are, they rock. My fans rock. Yes, well, and being among them, I'm glad to rock alongside them. Yes, you do. <clears throat> so, shall I, I read some comments that you got from the feedback show that you did with Dan and Kitty? All right. Um, recursive feedback. Uh-oh. Recursive feedback. Here we go. Abby says, Hey, I'm glad you guys got some mileage out of my comments. I was laughing all the way through. Cool. Was Abby the one that uh, Abby, complained yes. about the orientation? Yeah, the man love thing. Okay. Uh, Beck said, you guys had way too much fun making this. Oh, just wait till you hear this one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the several other special episodes we recorded while Pip was here. Okay. Um, Beck also said, uh, somehow I find the part of Malcolm Advalos being played by someone who identifies himself as a Clone War stormtroopers to be highly appropriate. <laughs> Not quite sure what you mean by that, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Um, some chick uh, called Philippa Ballantyne said, Great episode, Chris. I was on the edge of my seat, but I have to say, who let that Morris character read a story so far? Better half? Yeah, right. I think Ava and Evan need to take themselves into a room and sort out that question. <laughs> Actually, that sounds bad. Anyway, look forward- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look forward to catching up with you very shortly, and that feedback show should be a blast. I had no idea how much of a blast. <laughs> so when you go to Vegas, you're just going to have to get a room with Evan and get this all sorted out, Ava. <laughs> I'm not getting paid enough to go and do that. <laughs> Oh, uh, I can't say anything without you never coming back here again. <laughs> uh, um, Nitwitch said um, on chapter 13. Okay. Oh, going back a ways then. Yeah, yeah. Just re listening to this episode randomly and was thrilled to hear one of my favorite Hungry Lucy tunes in the circle, a brilliant chapter. Oh, I love that song. It was so amazing. When I first heard that, I came across it on music.podshow.com and it was like, Holy crap, this is the song of the Psy Collective right here. It's like she was listening. Maybe she was. Who knows? Um, Matthew Whitehead said, is there something like Greek mythology uh, in the Metamore City podcast? So I can properly use the name Cerberus. Okay, good question. 
And the short version, short answer is not really. Um, the longer answer is that because you have 18 gods and goddesses who have been mucking about on the Metamorph City's version of Earth for the last several thousand years, they have their own legends that have been passed down uh, as a result of all of those gods and their descendants um, getting up to interesting shenanigans on, on Earth with the mortals. Um, certainly they will have various legendary stories and various fantastic creatures. However, there is no uh, three-headed guard dog at the gates of hell in this particular universe, um, partly because the nine hells are a... Well, they're the afterlife for everybody. Everybody goes to one of the hells. The Hell is sort of a uh, non-pejorative term in uh, this world. Much it's, more a Hebrew hell than a Christian yeah, hell. Yeah, more a Hebrew hell or a Greek... Uh, well, not really a Greek hell because there are levels of, of reward and punishment. Um, but there are nine hells, and people's souls go to the level that they um, have earned in life by their deeds. Uh, having uh, greater sin or fewer good deeds weighs down your soul with the karma, and you sink down to lower levels of hell. So you have various levels. One one level for people who are basically you know really good people. That was the first hell, and then you get progressively more troublesome hells that people have to endure. And then once you get past the fifth hell, which is sort of for people who never really distinguish themselves one way or another on the the good to evil axis, um, and thus end up in a barren wasteland where there is nothing um, until they work off their karmic load. Once you get below that, then you start to get into the really nasty hells. And the special hell. Yes. Oh, yes. Special, hell. special hell. Yes. Is that for the people that uh, leave their cell phones on during theater? Child molesters and people, people who, who talk, talk at the, the theater. theater. <laughs> I haven't decided which circle that is. But uh, so, yes, there isn't quite a Cerberus in uh, our world, but uh, there are certainly no shortage of fantastic beasties. So I would suggest that you find something that sounds sort of like Cerberus, perhaps in a different language. And. Uh, you can be one of the hellhounds serving Lord Ball or Lady Suspira. And uh, that's the best I can do for you, man. Sorry. Okay. From Jen Fitz. I'm so bad at titles, but I'm good at listening to podcasts, which is good for you because now you know about Metamore City. Lester has a honeyed voice and a great story to tell. The production values are fabulous, and he learned a great lesson from P.G. Holyfield about using voice talent that people recognize. I love Christiana's character, Fiona, and I'm not sure I would if it were not for Miss Ellis. Fee is a tortured soul. Keep mm-hmm. them coming, Chris, and we'll keep listening. Interesting. You have a honeyed voice. A I honeyed think it's time voice. for one of them. Add that in there, Chris. I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning in passing that Chris Lester is very easy on the eye. <laughs> <laughs> or in this case, the ears. The ears. Yes, <coughs> but, but but listen. But you've learned something from PG. I know. I know. Did Didn't you, you start at the same time, or did you? We did start at about the same time. I think that she may have just found. Uh, who is that from? Jen Fitz. Yeah, I think. Thank you very much, Jen. That was a wonderful review. But I think that uh, PG started a few months before I did. But I wasn't listening to his podcast uh, until I was well underway. Until you needed a nemesis. Until I needed a nemesis, right. That was actually his idea. So that means, I, I'm assuming that means that he's the dark half of our nemesis parent. <laughs> he found you. He found me. Well, yeah, the, the nemesis well, you, always chooses you've got that long hair. You've got kind of got that, that, whole, that whole ranger thing going on where he certainly 
in his worst moments, when he makes a bad face, he could look a little bit like Gollum, you know. So, <laughs> PG Holyfield looks like Gollum. You heard it here first from J- that's JD Sawyer. Oh, net. He's gonna, so kick, now, he's gonna so kick my ass at Dragon Con. Mm. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, Fee is a tortured soul. You're right about that. I find it interesting because some people have commented to me that they didn't really care for having. Um, the you know really recognizable podcaster voices in the show because they thought it was distracting, and but some people apparently really no like. No one's going to recognize my voice when they no. Your to it. your guys are all your your cast is like mostly unknowns in the podcasting. No, world. no, no, no. I mean the voices I did for you, I did them all in strange accents. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to be able to place you. But when are those coming up? By the way. Oh gosh, it's going to be a little while. Tomorrow. A little while. Um, yeah, I think that you you're three or four chapters down the road for your first appearance. Gateway to a Whole New World by John Canyon. Five-star review on iTunes. Chris Lester has created a world that is rich with content and history. The overall story has been brilliantly done, setting up the first novel making the cut with several short stories told in a non-linear fashion, which describes this interesting world where science fiction meets fantasy meets an urban setting, along with well above average production values. This is a pure gem and worth your time. Aw, thank you. It's Who's from, from? Uh, John Kanan. <clears throat> Or K-N, C-A-Y-E-N. Thank you very much, John. That's wonderful. That's a good one. Hmm. A good setting and a great listen. As a fan of audiobooks, it's nice to see and having my eyes opened to the world of podcast audiobooks via this podcast. Ooh, another virgin. This is clearly a detailed setting here and it draws its own flavour, with a U, that from a set of broad influences... High fantasy seems to take the centre stage in this conglomerate of both it and, as the author states, a cyberpunk setting. It does seem more to me of a sci-fi occult setting, taking a modern view upon the often myriad of species and abilities that occur in high fantasy. One thing that did strike me from my preemptive thoughts was how the sci-fi element took a backstage. It is undoubtedly what enables familiarity. But ultimately, I would say this is not for those that are purely interested in the setting due to the science side of science fiction. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would too. There is a very scientific element within the podcast, and this is on the medical side of things. I attribute this to being the author's field, but it seems overly indulgent into describing medical details. <laughs> when other areas such as how the craft fly are just left to be assumed. I Yeah, I could sum this up a podcast up a bit with difficulty by saying that it's a set of personal views upon a very complex and compelling setting. Due to this dramatic element, I would also say that it would be an easy avenue for those that are not a fan of high fantasy or sci-fi settings to gain a taste of what it's like. Despite certain issues, despite balancing how much detail is given to certain elements, this is a podcast that it's easy to listen to and for most people should keep them entertained. That's four stars. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's a very Thank thoughtful you. review. Very, very, is, very yes. constructive criticism too. Yeah, who is that from? That is from Lucille. Thank you, Lucille. Definitely, um, yeah. I'm trying to think now about what medical details I've I've given that mm. would have been particularly indulgent. Um, actually, yeah. Whenever you're talking about something body related, whether it's the um, the changing of the genders or um, when, like, when uh, Danny's in with Artax and they're talking about how best to 
to deal with um, her psychosis. Mm. You, you go, you you really do work through the whole process of what could happen if they did what, and mm. you know the psychology of it and the physiology of it and whatnot. But um, yeah, she's right. I haven't. I know how the cards fly because I've asked you mm-hmm. off, you know, off mic. Right. But, but short she, answer, it's magic. Right. <laughs> But yeah, she's right. It's it's um, I never the, really the, thought about that the other before, technical yeah. details in in the world. But Probably then, you're a biologist, so it makes sense that that would be most writers, interesting to you. Writers like uh, any other people have areas of interest that mm-hmm. and that they and expertise that they know about, and mm-hmm. it would be impossible for an author not to show that in their writing, just like any other personal sort of side of things. But that's that's definitely true. I mean, there are certain aspects of other. Uh, other technical details that I've thought about, but they haven't really had a place in the narrative yet because they haven't been relevant to the story. The story has thus far been dealing with mostly very biological um, issues. You know, if we ever got to the point where somebody needed to sabotage a a skimmer for some reason, then we would see exactly why. Yeah, if it's not in the story, it's a bit gratuitous to somebody. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not going to pull a Tom Clancy on people and. Oh god. Danny stops to look underneath one of those flying cars and. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Red October. Man, first time I read Red October, I was like. This isn't a novel. This is a technical manual with dialogue. <laughs> Clancy's wonderful at plot, and he's great at technical detail, but he's not a very good writer. Not so much, no. Um, but he's got his market, and it works. Yeah. Well, despite I mean, that's that's constructive criticism, and they're obviously mm-hmm. still in, enjoying the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that? Do you think that? Um, that I'm going into too much detail on any of these I things? I personally know. I'm the wrong person to ask. You've you've read my writing. I mean, True. I'm I'm highly detailed about everything. Yeah, I'm not much. so mu- I'm not so much into that when I do my own writing, but um, especially the change between Daniel and Danny, mm-hmm. I think that warranted, um, yeah. in my own personal opinion, absolutely an, an, ex- an explanation because it was it's it's so out there and, and doesn't happen in our world mm-hmm. that you really needed to have it explained and that sort of detail, and it didn't jar for me personally. Thank you. Yeah, there's a there's a saying in the writers community that I used to be part of they used to refer to trans porn which would be <laughs> stories that went into obsessive detail about how a transformation happens and what changes where and you know what which I couldn't hear her ovaries dropping but you know yeah <laughs> well that's see that's your genre you're, what mm. you're doing is you're writing high fantasy cyberpunk trans porn but see I never liked the trans porn label um because I didn't I that is that scene is one of the very few de- really detailed mm-hmm. transformation mm. scenes I've ever done. Yeah, it's it was done once. I mean, well if it had been done. done perhaps more than once, yeah, if then you did right. it every time. Yeah, and that's the we were talking about last night the difference between erotica and pornography, and that's got to be uh, one of them. Mm-hmm. Is that is the repetition you get in pornography? Oh, the same goodness, thing yes. over mm. and over and over. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to make sure that I had this that you know that transformation described. Detail in mm-hmm. once. Yes, and but, it was it was very effective. But once is enough. Yeah. <laughs> From Vandermore, this podcast is one of the very few that I listen to as soon as I can see that there's a new episode. The <laughs> stories are engaging, the characters are realistic, and the author doesn't shy away from any of the bad things that can happen from poor decisions on the part of the characters. The setting is one that I grok very well and is a blend of Shadowrun and B5. Most excellent. The first time I listened to Metamorcity, I thought of Shadowrun because I I, I used to play that. And I obviously thought of Babylon 5 because I'm a total B5 geek. Mm. 
And you can, I'm sure you can see all the influences that Babylon Five oh, had yeah. in the setting. Oh yes. Mm. <laughs> it, it yeah. The 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 city felt to me like Babylon Five or Blade Runner done for Babylon Five, like Blade Runner's L.A. Nice. Um, okay, this one is from. Well, thank you very much, David. Mm, by the way, yeah. this one is from Radical the Madman. Six stars. It's actually only five stars, but <laughs> the review impressive. is called Six Stars. The review reads, there just aren't enough stars here to say how good this is. This is a truly good podcast and great story. A must listen. Ooh, thank you, Radic. Uh, we've got great story, great production values by Gonzalo SM. Mm. A clever juxtaposition of magic and science technology in a setting where the large and detailed amount of world building is only hinted at. The, po- the podcast starts with a number of short stories to whet your appetite before launching onto a monumental first novel which deals with fantastical issues, abilities, shape-shifting, vampirism, from a very human perspective. Some of the voice acting is especially good and makes more minor characters memorable. I'm just assuming that's me. Probably. De- definitely <laughs> one podcast that I wait for every two weeks. Aww. Who is right. that from? Uh, Gonzalo SM. Thank you, Gonzalo. Yes, he has addict. Addict, we has indeed. Kitty from A Hilton or AI Hilton. Okay. This is a superb podcast with a with great voice acting and a sprawling complex world. The storylines explore religion, politics, gender, orientation, family, ethics, love, and science. All in a rockin' urban fantasy setting. It's dark and delicious. Give it a listen. Mmm, dark and delicious. I think I, I think I used the words dark and delicious to describe I it. I think you did. Like chocolate. Mmm. Chocolate last night was good, by the way. Thank, oh, you, thank you. Yes, she's, she brought us kiwi chocolate. <laughs> the little brown fruits, not the little brown birds. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> what made the birds? Another iTunes review. Wonderful World Superb Stories. Five stars by Hawk Hunt. He's Australian. Ooh, okay. Let's see if I can if I can do you this do right. The right accent, it's, mate. G- g- give me a sample of that there, Pip. You, well, you want to be talking in Australian, it's mate. It's about right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Matamore City is excellent podcast fiction. <laughs> the short stories create vibrant, realistic fantasy for the larger plot lines, as well as being compelling tales in their own right. Every advantage of the audio present. <laughs> I think he's Australian. <laughs> Every advantage of audio presentation is used. It is a narrated tale, not an audio drama, but each character has their own voice actor, and the technical quality is great. No background hum, sound levels are balanced, so it flows really well. Download and listen today. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for that dramatic reading there, Dan. <laughs> well, you know. I think, at least I think he's Australian, so let's hope oh, you have if you're not Australian, well, just think I could give it to you in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Metamore City is excellent Stop. podcast. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Death threats can be sent to Dan at that number Dan he gave. Dan at jdsawyer.net. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got another one here from Stumo. This is an iTunes review. Five stars. Well thought out story and great voice actors. I've really enjoyed this. The main story is gripping with twists, turns and complex characters. 
The world is clearly well thought out and get introduced at good at a good pace in the story. I'm always looking forward to the new episodes and wish they could be more frequent. See above re-workload. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. From Alera, you will love this podcast. The voice talents are fabulous. Not only is the storyline brilliant and inventive, but the voice cast gathered to produce this first-rate podcast work of fiction are so superb you simply won't believe it's free of charge. I highly recommend Metamore City Podcast to anyone with a love of sci-fi fantasy. You won't be sorry you subscribed. Cool. So all of my podcast voice actors out there, you guys are awesome. You heard it from the fans. Yay! Here we have another iTunes review. Five stars. Dark and Delicious by NZ Bad. Who okay. could that possibly be? Don't know. If you like magic... I, let's see, I need a... You're sounding slightly Australian, yeah, which is disturbing. Like... <laughs> okay, here, I'll trade you. You read yours and I'll... No, no, go for it. Embarrass yourself. It's too tough. I, I need to sit it's... and listen to the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to listen like to the... Like you haven't uh, been listening to the accent all weekend. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but I just did an Australian accent. Totally yeah. screwed my palate up. Because they're so similar, you know? <laughs> if looks could kill. <laughs> I choose to ignore that. <laughs> well, you know, New Zealand is to Australian as uh, as um, Canadian is to okay, American. Okay, give, give it here. I'll read what I said about Chris. <laughs> I'll write him for you. Uh, yeah, give him another one. Here we go. Um, Dark and Delicious by NZ Bard, obviously a, a deeply wonderful person. Um, <laughs> if you like magic, darkness, and technology, this is the podcast for you. In the layer cake of Metamore City, Lester sets short stories and novels with a cast of characters that you'll fall in love with. Sexy and dangerous. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I said something it. about dark as well. Yeah. Hope they approve it soon. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, Kitty. From Buddy McHugh, vampires, wizards, telepath, demons, etc living in a civilization slightly more advanced than our own. They don't play nice. The first few <laughs> episodes were a little shaky, but still very interesting. The novel in progress, Making the Cut, is terrific. I am at the edge of my seat, dying to know what's going to happen next. Well, you'll just have to keep listening, won't you? Page. Another page coming my God, way. God, how much of this feedback is there? Good God, Chris. <laughs> we got to do these more, more frequently, man. Seriously. Which means all of you who listen to me, you have to send in more feedback to me so we can actually justify getting yeah. together to do these yes. more frequently. Nice name for the world, but it needs a little more. Five, but five stars no, nonetheless. By your favorite and mine, Mildred Katie. Ooh. She wants more. Can we rename it to, quote, really cool, magical, yet sci-fi, not utopian, but not entirely dysutopian world slash city? Unfortunately... <laughs> While this would be really accurate, it is far too long. Chris well, you would know all about long titles, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, that's but... almost rivaling one of Dan's titles. God, I gotta change. I, I will change the title between books one and two. Yeah. I promise. I promise. It'll be slightly less long than an elephant schlong next time. Oh. <laughs> Any more to that one? That's a yes, visual image cool. I did not need. Yeah. Did you Thank measure you, YouTube. <laughs> Actually, I did need it, but we'll not talk about that. Well, yeah, I laid it out, you know, in 12-point font. and Anyway, uh, 
Oh, okay. Back to Mildred's. Uh... Back to Mildred. <laughs> Back to. I'm sorry, Millie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now I'm just thinking, what font size would you need in order to precisely fit that title? Penis. <laughs> you need a, ver- a tattoo artist with a very steady hand. <laughs> very, very patient elephant. Poor elephant. Are you finished? Is that, is no, that it? No, oh, we're recovering. We're recovering. Okay. Chris Lester has done a while. I'm sorry. Get it? You're going to have to snap. No. No, 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 no. Stay over there. Evil thing. Darn. Sick him, kitty. Sick him. Do it later after the microphones are turned off. It's not very podcast friendly, is it? Well, you know. What was I saying about when I was saying we don't have any privacy? I lied. Anyway, um, Chris, <laughs> Chris Lester has done a wonderful job creating a solid world that mixes technology and fantasy, putting images, uh, sorry, putting mages with telepaths, vampire shape, and gender shifters, along with flying cars and cybernetics. I don't remember the cybernetics. The M- the vampire's nanotech virus inside oh, Victor's head. That's okay. cybernetic. Okay. The stories from the primary city are interesting and engaging, especially the long-running Making the Cut novel, and often have nice twists that are unexpected but believable. Chris also has a very good cast of voice talent to work with, and a high production standard that is an example for any podcaster out there. Oh, well, thank you very much. Although I personally think that you are doing much more amazing stuff with your... um, your production than I am. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the, the way that you can get all those sound effects to move around the virtual stage yeah, just blows me away. It's, yeah. it's really fun when you get into it. Sweet. Welcome to Lesson 35 of Learn Something New, 365 lessons that teach you something new every day. Today we will learn how to climb the crime syndicate corporate ladder. Step 1. Kill anyone who gets in your way. Why question methods that work? Step 2. Kidnap and blackmail government officials. Seeing as how many government officials probably obtain their jobs this way, this will be the easiest step for everyone to follow. Step 3. Hire large henchmen to help you in your climb. These henchmen are essential in dealing with glass ceilings in business as they usually throw your competition through them. Step four, setting aside time to unwind is also essential. Arrange activities that are far detached from the job, such as kinky bathtub sex or... Step five, never forget rule number one, don't trust anybody. Step six, never forget rule number four, it's just fun to think about. To find out more about crime syndicates of past, present, and distant future, subscribe to Antithesis Book One, Predestination, and Other Games of Chance at antithesis.jdsawyer.net. This concludes Lesson 35, How to Climb the Crime Syndicate Corporate Ladder. See you tomorrow for Lesson 36, Zero Gravity Basket Weaving. Hey there, folks. Welcome back from our latest break. And It was a rather abrupt one, wasn't rather it? Rather abrupt. Sorry for the fade out there, but uh, we filled Dan's hard drive. <laughs>
We have laid down over 20 gigs of audio in the last two days. Kick ass. And about four gigs of it was us giggling. Uh (laughs) And there may be more. (laughs) There may be. But uh, yes, you guys missed a a, a scintillating and mind-expanding conversation that, if it had been recorded, would no doubt have gone down in the annals of podcasting history as one of the great moments of our time. (laughs) But unfortunately, we lost it, so you're just buggered. But But, as as Kitty pointed out on Twitter, the nudity in the oil did help. Mm, (laughs) Did it ever. It's, It's like the podcasting version of the Library of Alexandria. Yes. Gone. Forever. Gone. Gone forever, never to be resurrected. So, rather than that, because it's now after midnight, we're going to play these voicemails and comment, and then we're going to get out of here, because I have to be at work in the morning, and so does Kitty. Oh, damn. I forgot all about that. Is this where we do our happy dance, Dan? We're here all alone tomorrow, Pip. I'm going to go see my agent. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. leaving the webcam voicemail. hidden. Voicemail. Voicemail. To the voicemail. Hey, Chris, this is Nobilis. That whole Wizard of Oz story, it's really scary, dude. <laughs> Either you've thought through the history and cultures of all these different nations to a degree that's, well, scary, or else <laughs> you just made it all up when you got the question, and that's scary, too. Either way, love the story. Great job. Bye-bye. Which one is Oh, this was when... Um, oh, yeah, I remember the story, but which one is it? Is it? Did you know? Or are you just a grade A bullshit artist? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the, um, the A lot had been established about the backstory of um, the Empire of Metamore and how it came to be in the broad strokes. Um, all of the details of that story, of how the... Um, you know, the... the author of the equivalent of the Wizard of Oz used it as a uh, populist appeal in order to get people to sign on for joining the Empire of Metamore. Uh, That was all pretty much made up in the spot over a course of about an hour and a half to two hours of cogitating and writing. So, as they say, I did not get my BS degree for nothing. (laughs) But thanks for calling in, Novellus. Always good to hear comments, and I'm glad that you were amused by the story. Hey, Chris, and anyone else who's listening, uh, this is Natasha, and you have probably become one of my favorite podcasters. I listen almost every week, and you really kind of got me going. Mm-hmm. I cried with Rebecca when Danny pretty much screwed her, and this is just really cool. I love what you're doing, and you Probably, I've probably already said this, but probably one of my favorites. Uh, I listen to you all the time. My friends and family are really sick of hearing about the Mental yes. Podcast. And I just want to say, keep it up. You've got something really great. I am crying because when I wish it's over with joy and, and sadness because it's going to be over. I need to figure everything out. And ooh, it's going to be over. <laughs> Anyway, just keep up the great work. I will be waiting with bated breath for whatever comes next. Bye. Keep it on the bright side. And you keep it on the bright side as well, Natasha. And yes, do not worry while making the cut will be over. 
um, relatively soon. Metamorcity will continue in some of the most kick-ass ways you can possibly imagine. Woo! But don't you, you. But don't you feel great that when you get to people to cry? Oh, man. Oh, yes. I, I got, love the weepies. I haven't gotten we one of those yet, but I'm hoping I might get one at the end of the book. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how people respond to the end. Writers sure love torturing their, their readers. We love torturing our readers because we love torturing our characters. Mm-hmm. So if we tor- you know, the, char- the characters are part of ourselves. So we have to, if we have to go through all of this self-torture, then it's only fair that the readers should have to go suffer along a little with, bit suffer of- along <laughs> with us. Yes, and as Aristotle said, uh, tears are cathartic. They are. They really are. And I mean that 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 you've reached people. <clears throat> yes, mm-hmm. definitely. So yeah, that's that's really great to hear, and I'm really glad to hear that I've got a not just a convert but an evangelist for Metamorph yes. City. Yes, you need evangelists. Mm-hmm. The dark goddess is pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I need a title like that. <laughs> oh, T's voicemail. Chris, you have T's voicemail. I have T's voicemail. So the Uber Nemesis has sent in commentary and voicemail. Yes, as as usual, there we could not have anything going on in the potosphere that <laughs> T Morris was not involved T. with. T Morris free. Maybe next time we can have a T Morris free podcast. No, so. somehow we're drinking iced tea. We've found him. We've pureed him. We've distilled him. <laughs> we are now soaking hot water for several minutes. We are now imbibing his essence to get his pod numbers. <laughs> and now, I am not, however. I'm drinking coke. <laughs> You two men can imbibe essence of tea all you like. I'm actually having coffee today. (laughs) Good choice, Chris. Chickens. Chicken Alaska. They just went to Alaska, both of them. (laughs) All right. So, yes, T heard that Pip was going to be in town, and he had to hit us with... Stick his oar in, I think. Do you have that? (laughs) That sounds so wrong. He had to come and piss all over our program. We have been victimized by the angry dwarf. <laughs> Ooh, is that what that was? <laughs> I knew I felt a tickle in my toe. Well, hey, everybody. It is the Uber Nemesis, T. Morris, found at tmorris.com, as well as the better half of the Avon Ava Androgyne. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and, okay, so I got a few questions about, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Pip is in the studio with you, yeah. Hey, Ballantine, welcome back. I thought we had laws preventing people coming into the country like her. Anyway, so here's my thing. Okay, first off, I loved the last episode of Metamore City. Just, just got to give mad props for for Metamore City. That was absolutely fantastic episode. But now here's my question: Are we going to find out why they turned Miriam Bactavar? into a vampire it, it it just seems to me that that was a weird choice and i know it's your universe lester i am just so asking kind. this is the curious he's calling thing. you lester too and i'm you know and so far everything i've thrown at you lester everything i've thrown at you <laughs> you have made the uber nemesis proud i don't think Valentine could handle that kind of pressure but you lester <laughs> you oh. have been coming through I have not listened to Antithesis so gonna kick yet, your man, ass. but I've got a very Bastard. long flight to Las Vegas. I'm going to have plenty of time to kick back and listen to Antithesis. Ah, okay. Well, you have redeemed yourself then. I won't send Percy after you. He'd probably like that. So, <laughs> the whole turning of uh, of Miriam. Wouldn't it be 
stronger? Wouldn't it show more strength on the vampire's part and on the vampire's self-confidence? Which, by the way, again, TD0013, <laughs> he pwned that role already. He did. That was great. really I good. More. I want that guy's the email address. The hold that I would imagine that they would have on Miriam would be stronger if they didn't turn her. It comes across to me as a sign of weakness that the vampire syndicate would feel the need to turn someone of the of the Psy Collective because they know, okay, we can't control her in any way, shape, or form, versus being able to say, no, we didn't turn you. We didn't turn you because we know we can control you because of X, Y, Z. So I'm just trying to understand, are we ever going to find out why they turned her or was it more of a preventive measure? I'm real curious about that. I'm also curious as to how the Psy Collective would react when they find out one of their elders has been turned into a vampire. He is, needs is help, Chris. Help him, Chris. Small <laughs> words. I'm going to go ahead and pause there so that we can, uh, I can answer that Just the hell out of, of the question. urban emesis. <laughs> no, no, it's a fair question. The key thing that you need to understand about the why the vampires turned Miriam is you have to understand the nature of the blood bond. That when a vampire takes someone's blood, they are taking a portion of that person's soul. And they have, that gives them power over that person. So when you create a vampire, when you create a new um, junior vamp, you're taking all of their blood and you're giving them a portion of your vampiric blood back in order to reanimate them. What that does in a metaphysical sense is you own their soul. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> completely. So it's not that like you're creating a monster you can't control. Exactly. So the, the sire always has dominance over the child. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as Braddock lives, they have an unbreakable hold on Miriam. She cannot disobey Braddock, and she cannot disobey any any rule that comes down to her through that chain. Um, this was mentioned by uh, Morgan in Huntress when she said that after Braddock was killed, which again happens after making the cut, we're, we've gone back in time for this story. Uh, after Braddock was killed, then Morgan, that the, the power that they had over her was broken. And the same will be true of Miriam if she survives that long. Yeah. That there is this chain of influence, and Morgan um, was under control of Braddock, who's under control of Malcolm, which means Malcolm controls everybody. So it's in like the, the military, the, you know, the chain of command, except the chain of command really can't be broken. Yeah. It until really someone's can't dead. Be broken. Exactly. And okay. so the only person who can control Morgan in the present day of Metamorcity is. Talia, the vampire queen. She's the, you know, she's still, because she's a demigoddess, has the ability to command any of her children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm surprised that the uh, the vampires are, aren't out there. So are the vampires out there specifically hunting for telepaths? They have been wanting a telepath for a very long time, but they have not been able to get them because telepaths are very dangerous <laughs> for them to feed on. Yeah. Um, because the blood bond creates a psychic link. And vampires are normally immune to any sort of mind-affecting power mm-hmm. because their mind sits in this sort of not-life 
uh, state, this limbo between life and death, that insulates them from any sort of mind-affecting magic or sigh. Up until the point where they create the blood bond, that same blood bond that allows them to exercise their control over their thralls also makes them vulnerable to control by telepaths. And it is theorized that the existence of telepathy was actually an evolutionary response by the human race to the existence of vampires. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, that this was a defensive mechanism and that the humans are co-evolving in response to the selective pressure of the <laughs> the vampires being there to feed on. I think I think you're uh, you're Experience in biology might be showing. That's why we need more scientists writing fantasy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fewer dragon romance <laughs> bullshit <laughs> things. Fewer uh, sparkly vampires. Oh, that's what, yeah, yes. So yes, this is that is the the answer to your question, T. They want Miriam because she has. They they want to be able to have someone in the Psy Collective that they can control. And Miriam is particularly well-suited for this because she is an egoist, who is a very powerful egoist, who can actually continue to mimic life, as we saw at the end of the last chapter, that she can imitate a living, breathing body, uh, which normally vampires can't do. So, so strike one to the vampires. Strike one, <laughs> yes. The vampires have, have scored a major coup here. Yeah, so they're going, Woot! And this, incidentally, is why the Vampire Syndicate and the the Psy Collective have been mortal enemies. Yes, yes. Because as far as the the vampires are concerned, the Psy Collective is an evolutionary defense that they do not want to exist. And as far as the um, Psy Collective is concerned, the... The vampires are a bunch of psychic joyriders. They go around, they suck people's blood, they jump into their minds and exert dominance over them and control them and bind them into these these relationships of dominance and submission that are a total perversion of psychic power. Yeah. And so this both sides see the other one as this complete blasphemy of existence. It, it starts to make more sense as, as, as it's going along. Why... Why they are that mortal enemy? That that's it's mm-hmm. very interesting because I guess the vampire thing is a total anathema to the gestalt. Exactly. Of, of, of yeah. Of the you know the the collective is all about equality and you know the the bonding of individuals under common ground and we all come together and make this decision. The idea of somebody imposing mm. rules, unbreakable commands from the top down is is a perversion of everything that they hold dear. This actually makes me wonder what about kink in the uh, Psy Collective? That is a very interesting little wrinkle. Um, we've seen, of course, hints of Fiona's uh, kink relationship with Brian. Uh, there's a bit of power exchange goes on there, um, but I, you know, it, I've I've not really. I don't think that there's anything like a a sustained DS um, relationship that um, would go on between telepaths that would seem to be very contrary to their their general general psychology. Um, It would be interesting to see that explored in a short story. That would be interesting, yeah. I mean, I I think that Fiona, because of her particular issues... um, enjoys the the whole power exchange thing um you know she's very 
she more than far more than most telepaths is is um bound into a psychology of needing an authority figure over her um but she's also very personally powerful mm-hmm. and so i she I think she enjoys playing with those power relationships. She's a switch hitter. She is a switch, definitely. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. Cool. And from something that Demar said. Yes. Okay, so we we'll continue with the rest of his voicemail. What's bringing all this up is, uh, going back to, I think, the second Metamore City episode, Huntress. We have a vampire working. Granted, she's working with mundanes, but she is working in the Metamore City Police Department. And she is highly respected in her field. Nobody has a problem with her working in the mortuary. No one has a problem with her being on the police force. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, why did the Vampire Syndicate feel the need to turn Miriam Vaktivar? Are we going to find that out eventually? Was it a a matter of precaution? or Was it a a lack of control on their part? And why is Miriam so afraid of how the Psy Collective is going to react when they find out the <laughs> I she think you just turn? explained that. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, the thing with Morgan, um, it would be a overly optimistic assessment to say that nobody has a problem with Morgan yeah, working in the Yeah, I think in the, in the, in the short story that, that is, some people are fine. Yeah, some people are fine with it. Um Morgan very nearly lost her job after it came out that she had been turned. Um, the uh, the reason that she wasn't was mostly because Kate and uh, David went to the wall for her and stood up and, and those, fought. Those are the two keep. from Welcome to the City, right? Yeah. Um, Kate, we saw we first saw in Welcome to the City. David, we first, was her partner. We saw him in House Call. Okay. Because um, he had a bit of the flu at the time. Um, but those two really pushed hard to make sure that she was kept on staff. And um, once they verified that uh, her sire was dead and that she was truly a free agent, that gave the um, authorities, the, you know, the, the, the upper-level administration, the fig leaf that they needed in order to keep her there. Uh, Is there any um, anti-discrimination Law and Metamore City to prevent, uh, you know, vam- you know, we we do not uh, take vampires into our. There know. are there are laws to protect the uh, the vampires' rights as citizens. Um, they are one of they are the only monsters that have the that have any civil right protections. Hmm. No um, way is it because the they bought the right politicians. Oh, okay. Um, they, you know, they they were able to very effectively lobby the Senate to get the uh, the protection that they needed in order to um, shield themselves and to, ha- to carve a place for themselves in society. Uh, partly because there was the question of, well, once somebody is dead, medically speaking, what do we do with their, you know, with their property? Right. Right. Who, who legally has the right? Does to someone this? come in and take your house and say, right, it's going off to your heirs now that you're dead, even though mm-hmm. you're standing there? Right. So it became, it was there was a, a legal issue that had to be dealt with there um, that you don't have when you're dealing with something like a a succubus, you know, which is an outsider by its very nature. Right. Different uh, different substance. Right, yeah, the Daedra and the Aedra and the Fae, um, they're all um, alien creatures. You know, they're all tied in with the world in 
pretty inextricable ways at this point. But they're not mortals, and they never will be. And so the Lothanasi, the Lightbringer Order, has generally has jurisdiction over dealing with monsters, quote-unquote. Um, and they still get the uh, ability to deal with vampires who go rogue and start you know, preying on people uh, without their consent. But uh, there is, it takes a lot for somebody to you know, cross over the, that line as long as the vampires continue to play by the rules that have been set up for them. Um, and as long as it's all consensual, then they can do what they want. Of course, the tricky part is that you can get retroactive consensuality if somebody once is, gets turned into a thrall, right. and then they say, oh, yeah, I want it to be this way. And, you know, Which yeah. is the kind of stuff you see, you see in cults all the time. Exactly, exactly. All right, and let's finish off the message from the Uber Nemesis. And how are they going to know if she has, in fact, been turned? Is she going to sparkle? I mean, because that's what vampires do, don't they? They sparkle. They just give this little glow. They sparkle. Is that how the collective is going to figure out that Miriam Bakhtavar has been turned? Again, I'm just curious. I will destroy you. <laughs> she can stop herself from sparkling. Cause she's Should I go get right? the glitter? <laughs> yeah, it is because Miriam is an egoist and she can imitate life, that she's able to keep up the charade far more effectively than vampires generally do. Um, so is that why they picked on her? They they definitely well they focused on her number one because she was the architect of the raid on Viscount. And so it was so, just a nice side benefit. That, yeah, that had to be answered, but it was it was definitely a stroke of luck as far as they were concerned to also get this individual who um, could pass could pass yeah. exactly. You know, if she'd just been a, nor- a normal uh, telepath, they probably would have taken her and debriefed her to get all the information that they could about the current internal workings of the of the vamp the psychoactive and its plans and uh then as soon as it came out what she was uh the psychoactive would have tried to destroy her mm-hmm. and they would have either moved her to somewhere else away from the psychoactive's uh centers of power or they would have just you know written her off as a loss. Mm. But now they've got an insider. Now they've got an insider. They've got a mole that yeah. they can use. And they can keep up that charade for quite a long time. And we will eventually see how uh, it comes out. And that's about it. I'm really enjoying the podcast, as you can hear. Getting really wrapped up into it. Big shout out to Mark Bailey. Peekaboo. <laughs> and um, yeah, great work, everybody. So... Thanks a lot, and I'll see you all later. This is the better half of Ava and Ava <laughs> signing off. And again, at tmorris.com. Do me a favor and smack him for me yeah, when you get to Las I Vegas. Will. I think you should lay this to rest. Who is the better half of, of the uh, Ava, Evan? Uh, yeah, smack him for me. Who's today. your favorite, Chris? Come on. I really like Ava yeah. because she's sexy as hell. Um, um, but I really like writing Evan because he can, he's, he's, I think he's snarkier than Ava is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Which is, yeah, well, you got the right guy for it. He doesn't seem, to me, he doesn't seem as caring, though, about, about Daniel Denny. Did you see the moment in the most recent chapter where Danny hugs him and he's like, uh, Aw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. So you're saying it's all a charade. Uh, yeah, I think that he turns him his um, 
Ava is more expressive with her feelings. Yeah. Uh, I think that that goes back to the kinds of roles that they play in their line of work. You know, Evan has to be cold to do what he does. Yeah. He's a fixer. He gets people and in touch with the things that they need, whatever it takes. And, you know, he's he is a deal maker. He's, you know, he, he has to be able to work with the unpleasant um, people that you work with when you're on the fringe. I think that Ava gets the opportunity to be a little softer and to be a little more tender-hearted because I think that Evan kind of shields her from mm. the more the more unpleasant sides of their business. She you gets know. to go out and dance and do all that sort of stuff. She gets to go out and dance <laughs> and she gets to do the social stuff to work people on the social side mm. and to play up the emotional bonds and get people um you know, to, to she gets to sweet talk information out of people. Um, if they ever needed to put the, the screws to somebody, um, Evan is the one who who get who but, has but, to but do that. But what I was, what were you saying that uh, Ava is the the dominant? Ava is the dominant form in the sense that she uh, they have to. She is the form that they were turned into. Mm -hmm. He was born male, and then when the curse um, was applied, then from that point on, they had to spend at least fifty one percent of their time in. Ava's form. Okay. And so, but Evan can still, um, you know, they, they, they have a, a pretty equal relationship between them and they don't really fight with each other. But I think that, that Evan um, has a certain tenderness towards his, his female alter ego and wants to shield her from some of the, the nastier sides of their business. And she doesn't have to be as hard as she might otherwise be yeah. as she's a woman got, she's got in another that side, line of because yeah. she's got her masculine side right. that she can she can man up and you know ev let Evan deal with Literally. the dirty work exactly. <laughs> Although having T. Morris as the, the cold, calculating, tough dealing kind of side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, smack him for me too. He got the first story so far. Oh, on my podcast no. to promote Double Trouble, and the fucker hasn't listened to the show yet. <laughs> He's just a lazy bastard. I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so that's two smacks coming your way, T. And by the, and actually, he'll probably have got them before he gets to listen to this. That's true. <laughs> so, in case you were wondering why Pip was hitting you, <laughs> hitting you, mind I said, not hitting on you. Why she came up to you in the airport and went whap whap. Now you know. <laughs> I'll have to say, that's from Chris and that's from Dan. Is Pip Ballantyne going to have to smack a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I hear tell Pip Ballantyne is the meanest, baddest Kiwi bitch in the whole damn world. You don't want to meet her in a dark alley. Well, in fact, it's going to be three slaps because one for me. Exactly. Want, yeah. Just for good measure. It's just, just one just cause. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Chris. This is Roger calling from Phoenix, Arizona. I just wanted to say thank you for putting out this superior podcast that you have with Metamore City. It is just so awesome. I look forward to it, and I really love it, and I listen to it as soon as the episode comes out. Thank you so much, and keep up the, the great work. Bye. Apparently, it being good work was uh, not enough 
for Roger. He had to edit it up to great work. Yes. Well, thank you, Roger. Very cool. Yes. Hi, Chris. This is Scott Roche. Just sending you this little audio file to wish you a Merry Christmas. I see you'll be traveling. I hope that means that you'll be with family. I hope that you have a blessed time celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope that it's a good rest for you from the uh, hectic life of teaching and podcasting. Again, it's been a pleasure being a listener and a co-producer, and I look forward to continuing to work with you and listen to you in the future. Blessings. Talk to you soon. See you on Twitter. Thanks, Scott, and it has been a definite blessing having you on my production team. It's... uh, I don't know where I would be without you and Paulette right now. Because, well, I'd be here, but the podcast may not be. So, yes, um, Christmas was odd for me this year because it was my first year back with the family um, after having really moved away for good and all. So you, know, you get to that place where you, you come home and home isn't home anymore. And I was sleeping on my old bed, but it was in the guest room instead of in my old bedroom, which has been converted into the TV and gaming room for my brother and sister-in-law. So in order to fit the their uh, son's crib in their bedroom. So it was a very strange holiday season for me. Uh, definitely some good stuff, but uh, some bittersweet components to it as well. You, know, you really can't ever go home again. And uh, it, it's not the same place that you left. And that was made clear to me in a number of ways. But, you know, being here among friends with this uh, madcap insanity. <laughs> Almost 72 hours straight of it now. Yes. Well, we haven't killed each other. This is the incredible thing. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're sitting here going, we're completely exhausted, but we can't stop. We can't it's so good. Must keep talking. This is why, you know, I, seriously, I was here until three in the morning uh, yesterday. Uh-huh. And, and then right after you rolled out of bed again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Rolled you out guys of... might as well just live together. You know, yeah, we're talking about <laughs> that we're podcasting working. compound. Podcasting compound. We need to start our own studio or for podcasters If you do that, I seriously, I'll move over. Okay. <laughs> get, a, get yourself a compound. It's got to have a pool. Be near to the marine base. Yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs> the pool might be a bit steep to start out with, but yeah, uh, okay. we can yes. definitely get a enough house. room for a pool. Then we can get a we house. We can get a puddle. Mm. Oh, we can get a hot tub. A house with enough room for room, room for with a room for you and a hot tub and a room for yeah. the podcasting yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah. To send donations now. Send yeah. donations. <laughs> so, if you would like to donate your own voices and feedback to this madness, you can contribute those to our voicemail line, which is 206-203-0994. That is 206-203-0994. You can also email feedback at metamorcity.com. You can send your voice comments there uh, as an MP3. You can also send text comments, and we will read them on the show. If you would like to leave a review for us on iTunes, we love it. We are now up to the second page in iTunes reviews. Not quite 
uh, up to where... Breathing um, on the ass of P.G. Holyfield. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that image. Yeah, Only if he pays me <laughs> very well. That one button works every time. <laughs> Just Makes like, him blush right up to his ears. Just, just has like, to forget me not blue eyes. <laughs> just like the uh, the whole um, thing on Amazon with the prostate book breathing on T. Morris's ass. <laughs> and just look at the disappointment on Chris Lester's pretty little face. <laughs> he is my sexy young friend. <laughs> On a badge. <laughs> and I can never make up my mind whether or not he looks more stunning in moments of adversity such as these <laughs> as he does in moments of elation and joy. <laughs> oh my god. Freaking insane. No, no, we've been <laughs> there, Pip. We've fucking bivouacked and we're laying foundation for an office block. <laughs> What's scary is we haven't been drinking tonight. I know. Just no. imagine how much worse than last night. We're doing this stone cold sober, ladies and gents. We're just high on each other's company. This is uh, what we're like sober. <laughs> Think about that when you decide whether or not to come and to the pub crawl the on pub January 10th Thank at you. Borderlands Books in the Mission District in San Francisco. 3 p.m. See Sigler do his read and his Napoleon shtick. And mm-hmm. then after that, come across the street to join Seth Harwood, Chris Lester, myself, S- Scott Sigler, and Cunning Minx for, a me- for an evening of podcasting madness and alcohol. Yes, early evening. Early evening. Well, yeah, be afternoon. like 5 o'clock or something. Yeah, it'll be, well, we actually will probably be over there by 4. Could be, could be. Yeah, he, he, he's got, it's like a 45-minute program plus signing he does, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we should be over there fairly shortly then, thereafter. Mm-hmm. So, slot out that time for you. It's slot out. <laughs> that was a Freudian slit. Slip, slip. <laughs> saucy, saucy man, Chris Lister. <laughs> mm, saucy one bitch. One, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a man, baby. <laughs> and we love you for it. <laughs> So, um, what were we talking about again? <laughs> Sex. I, der- I derail conversations. Uh. Nudity? Oil? Yes. She said hopefully. Mm. Man love? <laughs> she said even more hopefully. <laughs> to, so, this Saturday, Borderlands Books, be there, or you will regret it for the rest of your days. <laughs> I already do regret I won't be there. You can reach it by the uh, BART on the 16th Street Mission Station. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just up the block and around the corner. Yeah, and it's down in the neighborhood of the Cow Palace. Well, not quite, but it's in the Mission District, and the parking actually from Google Maps looks like there's a few public lots right around Mm -hmm. there. I'm taking BART. I don't know about you, but... Yeah, I was actually going to drive it, because we've got to go back to Minx's place afterwards. Ah, which is like within five minutes of my house, so... Yeah, it works well for me. But in any case, um, yeah, and if the Uber Nemesis is listening, you're going to be in Las Vegas this week, as will the lovely Kiwi. Car rentals are $30 a day, and it's a seven-hour drive. You need to kidnap her, <laughs> rent a car, drive up here for the pub crawl, and then drive back. You can crash at our place during that, that night if you want to, to get, you know, but... Make the effort. Come join us out here on the West Coast, if only for a day. And we can have the ultimate, 
ultimate non-con pub crawl. We, we're not going to record it, though, because I don't think you've got enough hard drive <laughs> space. Bring your, Z, bring your H2, T. It'll be worth it. <laughs> I just have this feeling I'm stuck in the back of a station wagon, gagged and bound while T's driving maniacally down the road. God, that's a kinky <laughs> Very, very bad, you, all of you. Oh, I'm going to the special hell. (laughs) But can't you just see it with his little hands? (laughs) What other kind of hell do we want to go to? Lemming, you know, when he gets gets that kind of idea. Well, particularly with that beard. (laughs) That's a lemming beard if ever I saw one. You know about the beard? It gives you something to hang on to. Like the sheep, she says to the two men who have got beards in the house. I wonder what we're doing after the show. (laughs) Many people will be wondering, and we'll leave it that way. Sleeping like the damned. (laughs) Okay, so Pip, where are you going to be for the rest of your vacation here? (laughs) Special hell. (laughs) (laughs) I I will be at the uh, social media jungle in Las Vegas, Nevada. All right, Um, and when is that? When is that? Uh, starts this week. It's part of the CES. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go along and walk the, fl- walk the floor. <laughs> We're walking the floor in the CES, Well, baby. you did bring the red boots. <laughs> I did bring the red boots. Um, so I'll be, you know, uh, listening to some uh, social media experts and uh, handing out my card. And did I just hear air quotes there? <laughs> Douche not do air quotes. <laughs> I will be listening to some new media douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> and hanging out with T. Morris, that's redundant. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no, you I, didn't. I wonder if he's going to be hanging into the very end of the show. I'll have to tell him. To, just make sure you listen to the end. There's an extra special special message from me to you. It's in revenge for making me wait so long for the end of Bill Above Battings <laughs> when I subscribed in the middle. <laughs> And you had that three-month production gap, you bastard. It's because he just couldn't organize himself out of a paper bag. <laughs> okay, so now T's going to come out here just to kick your ass. For <laughs> well, hey, that I would pay to see. Dude, dude's like this tall. All I have to do is hold my hand out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. We better get out of here. Oh, <laughs> You know that thing we were saying about the podcast community being so supportive? I think we just blew that out of the water. There will be no The podcasting that. community is supportive, like a good bra. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, it's been okay. a lot of fun, right? So you can participate in all the ways we said before. You can leave your messages on the blog at metamorecity.com. You can join us on Facebook, fans of Metamore City. You can also contribute to the fan-driven forums, which are at thecursed.org. You can find my stuff at jdsawyer.net and email me at dan at jdsawyer.net. You can find me at pjvalentine.com, jasonthebard.com, whispersattheedge.com, eroticaalacard.com. That's right. And on everybody's podcasts. And everybody, yeah, and I'm on everybody else's podcast, so you can't miss me. <laughs> and you can find me on Reprobate Sour and uh, Antithesis. Which is at jdsawyer.net. Absolutely. All right. We are going to get out of here now. Watch for the next episode of Metamore City to drop into your feed this weekend. Until next time, 
keep it on the bright side. Oh my God, we're out. <laughs> Some of the music on this show is provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Some sound effects were provided by SoundSnap at soundsnap.com, while others were provided by the Freesound Project, located at freesound.iua.upf.edu. Metamore City is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.